Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders now. now does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear west turkey central ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and delta <laughs> are we not, we're not recording yet? Come we, on. We are. We'll use it somehow, but let's, <laughs> let's see if we can. Um, uh, there's a list. Are we ready to go here? All right. There's three. There's three. Count them. Uh, three. Uh, oddball he's, asking, what? he's asking if we're ready to go. Yeah. There's three oddball stories here I wanted to start out with. All right. So let's see. First of all, we've got a Cessna 150 that was mysteriously stolen. And of course, anytime an airplane is mysterious sto- mysteriously stolen... There must be terrorists involved, right? Well, they probably here's, here's packed that puppy. In, they in, probably packed that puppy full of uh, styrofoam and tried to fly it into a cooler. Yeah, that's right, Jeb. What were you going to say? Isn't mis- you know uh, mysterious stolen airplane? Isn't that kind of redundant? Yeah, I know. Right? When do, when do you ever? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like the airplane was stolen, but I completely understand it. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what's this? What is the story here? Let's see. I can bring it up on my screen here. So it's. Uh, uh, is this going to turn out like the one that the the one fifty that crashed into a cemetery in Europe and. By the time the investigators got done, they dig up, dug up 150 bodies, said it was the worst Cessna accident they'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says here, this is from the Democrat and Chronicle.com, which is a newspaper someplace. Um, a small, <laughs> they always do this to us. A small airplane has been stolen. A, you know, dun, 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 a small airplane has been stolen. Teletype noises in the background. From the Hornell <laughs> Municipal Airport in the town of Horn, Hornell. Hornellsville in western western Steuben County. Steuben County's sheriff's, sheriff's office says a single engine 1964 Cessna 150D. Uh, registra- oh, this comes in interesting later. Registration uh, November 43 uh, Echo Delta was stolen about September 20th, and the fact that it was gone wasn't noticed until October 4th. So anyways, the airplane kind of disappeared from the ramp, and at first nobody realized because apparently it had been for sale, and they thought it had been st- sold, but then somebody said, no, wait a minute, we didn't sell it. So now they're wondering if it was stolen, and then, of course, the FBI had to get involved because, you know. It's a stolen aircraft. Yeah, that's right. The, you know, that's one of the benefits we get of that. You don't get, uh, you know, you, you don't get uh, 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 Andy's deputy yeah. investigate. Well, this, this all reminds me of one of the uh, uh, episodes. This was, I don't know, maybe 05, um, when... They evacuated the Capitol in Washington, and mm-hmm. um, everybody was was freaked out for like ten or fifteen minutes because this was the first Smoketown PA intrusion into the into the uh, secure airspace over DC. Um, but the guys, two guys flying a one fifty in Florida, and yep. just board, board, just made a beeline for the Capitol. I don't know what they were navigating to, and um, you know, it was run for your lives kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But people, but yeah, you know, I, some some people uh, afterward printed up T-shirts. Yeah. Fear me, <laughs> I fly a Cessna one hundred and fifty. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Fear me. 
Because everybody knows that if, if well, terrorists were going to steal an airplane, they'd steal a 150, not that right. cis, cis, right. well, citation that, That'd be jet. my it's, choice every time, yeah, right. simply because it, I'm checked out in it. Yeah, I was going to say, it has the advantage of, of being uh, probably the airplane with which they're most familiar. Perhaps. Well, it, 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 reading through this a second time, I finally came to the un, an understanding of why the horror here, the oh, abject yeah. fear. It <laughs> is a 150-150. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not 100 prop, horse, right? It's it's got 150 horsepower and a uh, larger prop. Mm, 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 and a larger prop, mm, so mm. it can it can shoo through another row of corn when it crashes. <laughs> well, that's got to be what a Mach point oh four airplane now. Yeah, right. Now here's the part. I yeah, my I question just, is, just, the, the 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 story says uh, later down it says the plane was of Canadian origin. So the tail numbers, which are November 4-3 Echo Delta, are smaller than those found on similar-sized <laughs> airplanes. Does this make any sense at all? First of all, Canadian airplanes don't start in, in, in N, November. They start in what? C, Charlie, right? Um, right. I don't know of any arrangements that had Cessna 150s being built in Canada. Right. Uh, no, so no. I would say it was... What, what it means is it was, it, was imported, it was imported from Canada on one of, the, one of its trades. Yeah, and while it was in Canada, it had all these mods done. Okay, and do Canadians allow? Well, he doesn't make this doesn't make any sense with the smaller tail numbers. All right, no, 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 no. You hit it. That second phrase, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it was it was re-registered. It was no, 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 Jack. It was re-registered in the U.S. with N numbers. Yeah, and they put small N numbers on it. That's all this is saying. Yeah, because that that you, that was the size of N numbers you could put on that airplane right. when it was built. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Second oddball story. But it is scary. Somewhere out there, there's an unaccounted for 150-150. Thank God it wasn't a Texas tail dragger as well. Yeah, I know. Well, the thing that the thing that I think is most fearsome is that this is still considered news. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I just hope it was insured. Yeah, what, really. What became of that kid that kept stealing airplanes and crashing them and then getting finally got Finally got, got caught in Bahamas. Right. Yeah, he got busted down in the Bahamas. He got He's not caught. out yet. But no, I, I think he escaped. I think he must have escaped, okay? Because here's our next oddball story, all right? This is from, uh, <laughs> this is from the CFnews13.com, uh, Channel 13 News, probably someplace in Florida. Uh, Edgewater, a plane crashed Wednesday, but no one was inside when investigators got to the scene. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe we've discovered why it crashed. <laughs> it was all right, yeah. <laughs> there are reports the pilot Sure, walked. looks like a Mooney. There are reports the pilot walked away from the crash before anyone got there. Oh, no, here's the all right. So I'm going to read the whole paragraph. See, Dave's laughing because he just read it. There are reports the pilot walked away from the crash before anyone got there, and his wife is quoted by, by the Orlando Sentinel as saying he is doing fine. All right, I don't know. What's his name? No, I know. So okay, we know his wife. What's anyways? Uh, let's see now. Investigators are not confirming that information. Uh, yeah, it's Mooney, and it's like in two different pieces. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, they they that's too clean a cut there on the aft fuselage to be wreckage. I think they, they, they cut have, that up at some point I to get it on the trailer. I think they had to use the jaws of life to get nobody out of this airplane. <laughs> well, you know, they, 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 that, that's where the tail comes <laughs> on, too. Yeah. All right. 
So that's that's odd. Looks, the, the trailer looks familiar. Didn't we see it hauling off a of premiere one not long ago? Yeah, no. <laughs> this is in Florida. That was in that was in Oshkosh. Well, they, yeah, okay. Well, right. yeah, but it was taking the airplane to what Georgia, wasn't it? It was uh, taking it to Tennessee or Georgia. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, and then finally. <laughs> finally well it's been fun tonight guys i'll see you next no, week no 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 i mean finally the for the third of our oddball the augusta chronicle all right which is i don't know is it augusta georgia that's the augusta i know although there's an augusta kansas too right i don't know uh well, this, this is augusta, augusta georgia, georgia. This, this is augusta georgia this is augusta georgia um, for, uh, th- and there's just this is just a whole melodrama i can't even read the whole story here forest Cawthron. Uh, was in the woods Thursday evening when he heard a peculiar noise. He first thought it was a tractor coming through the wide clearing. He was staking out in hopes of spotting a deer. He re- then he realized the sound was coming from the sky. It was kind of a sputter. Dun, he dun, said. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he looked up to see a falling plane headed straight for the meadow where he was standing in rural Burke County. So anyways, this airplane falls out of the sky. Once again, no one on board. See, I'm telling you, it's the kid. It's that kid, and he's escaped, and they're not telling us. The pilot bailed out. It's what, yeah, you, you didn't get to that point. You I didn't get to the real meat of this. Yeah. yeah, so so apparently the pilot bailed out, but does it even tell us here who the pilot was on this one either? I'm telling you, that kid's getting smart. Now he's learning how to here's, do skydiving. Here's, here's, yep. here's the thing that troubles me. The guy says, well, he was having trouble with the airplane. And he flew it around, and it wasn't working out, so he bails out. How, how many times have you flown? <laughs> with, a, with parachute. a parachute in case you needed to bail out because of a malfunction. Yeah, well, this was an aero commander, although I will admit that even Bob Hoover didn't wear parachutes. I'm sorry. It, it's an aero commander. That's what I he's, no. he's not Bob Hoover. It's an aero commander. Yeah. It's a business right. airplane. I right. know. Wait a minute. No, it's a single. It says single engine. Isn't it's a single aero Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, it's not the twin. Okay, so it's a little business airplane. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But no, admittedly, here's the question. Why in the world did the guy have a parachute when he was yeah, flying exactly. in this airplane? That's kind yeah. of, yeah. And, and exactly. just before he goes out, does he says, I'll raise your parachute and see you two parachute. <laughs> one, one reason may be that it was a post-maintenance test, test flight. And they maybe you know, did some major work on the airplane. Well, the guy happened, they, he happened to be you know, no, no, no. a, a parachutist. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just saying there 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 is there can be a logical explanation. I think they may uh, have intended to do major air pl- work on this airplane, but right. if it apparently it didn't didn't take. I don't know. So um, I don't know if there's anything more to this story. So what I'm trying to figure well, the out airplane here is what selling as it was, but look what it's worth that we parted out. Yeah, I know. Uh, airplane. No, there's no name of the parachute guy. Um, but there was a quote from his wife. It came along in subsequent uh, coverage, I believe. Yeah. No, there's no quote from his wife. That was a joke. So, so we're three for three this this episode on on uh, uh, unknown pilots flying airplanes and making the news. I'm telling you, there's just no doubt in my mind. The kid got out of jail somehow. He escaped well, all those cops over the. He, this is it. He's on the loose again, and they're not telling us. No, I think it's just you know. The, uh, it, 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 some of this happened right around the full moon. Uh, how about attributing some of that? <laughs> ah, okay. uh, yeah, right. well, yeah. You know, well, uh, it'll I, be I Halloween I, in a couple of days. Uh, yeah, that's right. Jeb, what were you going to say? I, I think there's a lot they're not telling us. It's just that, you know, there's, there's a lot more they're not telling us than who these three pilots Yeah, I know. That's a theme in your life in general, right? Yeah, okay. Welcome, folks, to episode 211 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. 
recording this episode on uh, Tuesday evening, October 26, 2010. And uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar is uh, two of my good friends. Uh, first of all, Dave Higdon's out there, and he's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. How you doing, David? Well, uh, didn't get blown away in yesterday's big frontal passage, so yeah, we're doing fine. So is that the same front that passed through here where I am in Chicago? I must oh, be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like swooping right across the country the last couple of days. It's, uh, yeah, a, it's, it's working on setting a speed record. Yeah, it's quite a big deal, and it's very No narrow. word on whether the NAA will sanction it later. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite a dramatic little front. It's very, very narrow and very sharp, and... Uh, and man, it swooped through here first thing this morning, and now it's doing its thing over in uh, Michigan. I think probably Steve Tupper's, you know, hanging onto a pole someplace and feet up in the air. Also here in the virtual hangar tonight is Jeb Burnside, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. How you doing, Jeb? I am finer than frog fur. Uh huh. You're sounding a lot, lot more relaxed the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, got. I just facing a lot of projects here over the last couple of months, and I'm still not. Mm-hmm. Light at the end of the time, yeah. but uh, yeah. uh, things are coming together, and, and little details are getting fixed, and, and, and that's what's important. Good deal, good deal. I don't think we talked about this in the. We haven't done a podcast. We skipped a week because of scheduling problems, and I think it was since the last one that you sent us pictures of your alligator <laughs> or crocodile. Was it you know, an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know. Whatever. It was, I I didn't get close enough to ask. Um, I'm sure it was an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> and you and and you're you're sticking to your story that you took that picture in your backyard. I took that picture off my pool deck. This is and and folks through, through not, a screen. Through this a was screen. not like a picture of water Jack. with two little eye bumps sticking out of the top of the water. This was an alligator on the lawn. All right, Jack. Yeah, Jack. It's 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 Florida, south of Saint Augustine. Of course, it has alligators. I'm from Boston. This is just just you know. Shellbetter keeps sending me emails saying, Jack, he says exactly what you just said. You know, he says, yeah. yeah. He says, no big deal, alligators. And I'm going, yeah. And I'm Jack Hodgson. And I'm talking to you from uh, someplace called Hoffman Estates, Illinois. All right? Wherever that is. I, I'm someplace near Chicago, Illinois. Um, I, I truly, I got off the airplane at O'Hare thinking that I was heading inbound towards the city. And the cab drove outbound away from the city. For about a half an hour, and what a pity, man! You could have, you could have tried out Billy Goats. Uh, yeah, you could, you could have been halfway to Oshkosh. I, I, you know, really, truly, and uh, so uh, Hoffman Estates. It's a very nice area, I guess. Um, I've never been here before, and we're doing another one of our business meetings out here, and uh, um, you know, and the weather's been crazy, as I was saying. Where are we? What's going on here? Well, you're in Illinois. I'm in <clears throat> I'm in Florida, and yeah. I think Dave's still in Kansas. Yeah, we covered that. So we came across this picture. This is a nothing story, but it's just bizarre. Um, is that the UCAP triangle? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Do 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 do. Right. Yeah. The uh, the UCAP uh, the UCAP triangle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This this photo. This has been around a while. Uh huh. I've seen this. I've seen this before. It's a great. Yeah, Jeb, you still there? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're just breaking up a little bit. It's a great what? It's a great image. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, ooh, what kind of airplane is that? A beach something beach or other? 18. Beach eighteen. Beach eighteen, and it's got a whole gaggle of skydivers out on the left wing route. Um, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but maybe seven or eight skydivers all queued up on the wing, kind of hanging on or hanging on to each other. And then there appears to be 
Well, there is one on top of the engine kind of reaching out to the prop, which is apparently stopped. So one blade is pointing upward. Yeah, apparently stopped. And yeah, I guess it must be stopped now that I think about it. Yeah, okay. All right. It's stopped. Um, it's feathered. Yeah. Well, I, what I'm sort of getting at here is whether or not this is a Photoshop job, I guess, is my point. Now, I don't know. I've, I've seen that before, and, and I, I've seen you know in an era where Photoshop existed. So certainly, you know, it could have been manipulated. The first time I saw it, though, it, it had some credence behind it. I, I believe it's a real image. Yeah, okay. So we've got one skydiver on top of the engine uh, 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 nacelle, and he's reaching out and sort of holding one blade of the prop. And then the blade of the prop that's headed straight down, so it's a two-bladed prop. The prop, the blade well, and if headed, you look at it closely, it's feathered. Yeah. And so the blade that's headed straight down, all right, has a skydiver hanging off of it, all right? He's basically, well, this is basically the image I had of Steve Tupper a few minutes ago in the winds of <laughs> Michigan, all right? Um, <laughs> He's, got, he's hanging onto this blade, and he's being blown, you know, almost at a 90-degree, almost almost horizontal, all right? And he's just kind of hanging on there, having a good old time. because. And this is just graphical proof right here that skydivers are crazy, all right? Well, there's that. Yeah, as if we needed further proof. I guess. I don't know. We have a lot of skydivers. Well, and, and in defense of the honorable and venerable Twin Beach 18, it's capable of doing what you're seeing in the picture. Uh, yeah, I, I can Oh, believe. yeah, yeah. I, I have no doubt the airplane can do this. I have a lot of respect for the airplane. It's the people. I oh, they, they were, they've been workhorses for drop zones for decades. Uh-huh. Uh, there used to be one instead of dead cow that still had handles uh-huh. uh, on the fuselage uh-huh. so that people could come out and hold on to something and climb out on the wing the way they're doing in this photo. And everybody could leave together. Not one after another, after another, out the door. Right. Right. Everybody climb out, get a good handhold, hold on to something there, okay. Five, four, three, two, one, bye. See, see that to me that's just wrong. Yeah, well there's no just wrong. there's no right way to fall out of an airplane. It's just so and it's just goes without saying. <laughs> well, there is one right way to fall out of an airplane, What's, and that's in a way that makes sure you don't hit the airplane on your way out. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So it's an interesting <laughs> image, and I guess I do believe it's real, but that's just that's just wrong. Never jumped out of a twin beach. Jumped out of a C forty seven a couple of times. Uh huh. That think, was really cool. Uh, that was so much easier than jumping out of a one eighty two. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine getting in back. A, I can't imagine getting in back of a one eighty two. B, much less with a parachute and other rig. And see, then try to get out of it. Yeah. Well, that's why I didn't get in the back of the 182. I sat right next to the door so I could be the first out. Yeah. Okay. That way there was no chance in hell of me changing my mind. The jump master was a college buddy of mine, and I knew damn good and well. Once he got the static line hooked in, I was uh-huh. going one way or the other. <laughs> see, I don't know. I don't know. No, 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 no. See, I just can't even imagine. climbing out there standing on that damn step is like, man, this windy. You know, I mean, they slow it way yeah, down. That would be it's my still impression too, right? Go ahead, David. Jumping out of the C forty-seven, just grab the side of the doors, the side sides of the door, and then fling your body toward the back of the wing. It's really easy. Next thing you know, you're stable, face down, and you're looking at a C forty-seven flying away from you. See right there, fling yourself at the wing. That's just wrong. That's yeah. yeah. No way in yeah. hell you're going to hit it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> watch me <laughs> unless of course you're superman or uh retarded like me flash yeah 
Yeah, or that Arrow Commander guy. Um, well, and I always like, objected to the, you know, I've never, you know, I would never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Not a one of them I jumped out of was perfect. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. On a more serious note here, let's see now. Um, Earl Lawrence left uh, EAA, yeah. huh? Yeah. Earl is leaving. Is leaving. Da- uh, 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 who posted this story? David, you posted this story on our list. David, tell us why this is significant. Earl Lawrence is an old buddy up at EAA in Oshkosh, and he's kind of been the uh, the uh, point of contact between EAA and the FAA on a lot of things over the years. Uh, regulatory stuff, very detailed, uh, knows the people, knows the small airplane issues, had a big hand in the light sport work over the last few years. And as happens when the FAA finds that it needs some real industry or community expertise, it has plucked Earl out of the Oshkosh job to make him manager of the Federal Aviation Administration's small airplane directorate in Kansas City. The small airplane directorate is kind of the focal point and coordinating point for for certificating authorities of uh, uh, manufacturing district offices and so forth that, that do the actual paper signing uh, and, and flight testing of uh, uh, GA airplanes. And uh, we're talking about under 12,500-pound airplanes in general that small airplane directorates in charge of. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big gig. It influences all the stuff we fly. Uh, and it's nice to see th- they glommed onto somebody that we feel comfortable, actually knows something about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, That and could be difficult to find. And I'm all in favor of getting good people at the FAA, but haven't, haven't they kind of gotten one of our advocates now? I mean, are we one short now? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think, think so. I think, I think Earl will be an advocate. Um, and he, knows, he knows where he came from. He knows his roots. Okay. Um, and I think he'll do a good job. At what he at what uh, the administrator wants him to do, um, yeah. I mean that's the part. That kind of- it's it's a loss to EAA. Um, I sat in on uh, some meetings uh, he conducted uh, this last year at Oshkosh. Uh, sat in on my background, and uh, yeah, he knows his stuff, and, and the people at the FAA respect him. Um, Babbitt made a good choice. Um, EAA needs to figure out who to put in his spot. Mm-hmm. Is there any buzz yeah, on who that well, might be? Well, Doug McNair is kind of the number two. Yeah, um, Doug's, Doug's a good Doug's guy. top flight. Yeah, Doug's as good as it gets. And uh, I, I would go so far as to say that I hope they seriously consider Doug. I don't know who else is available out there, but uh, um, Doug, Doug would be a good man for the job. Um, would be I don't good know to move him up to that job before he gets uh-huh. hired away by the FAA. Well, the problem with well, I think with Doug though is he's pretty set in uh, where he is in Virginia or northern western Maryland. Um, he, he's been there a while. He didn't want to leave. He he lives near Camp David, and uh, right. I can understand why he wouldn't want to leave there. Well, yeah, where was uh, David, I used to hang right out there? Where was Earl based? Was Earl based in Oshkosh? Exactly. So I don't you know if they want to need someone to to, to Oshkosh. Uh, that's going to be an even taller word. I would imagine the EA would want their their FAA guy would, to be. I would think so too. Near 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 DC or nearer I to would, DC. Well, they, they well they want somebody at headquarters is what they want. Yeah. And in that slot, they need somebody at headquarters. I see. Yeah. Whether whether Doug um, 
is in charge, but in charge of it from Maryland, or if Doug reports to somebody headquarters, um, I don't I, I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, but they do need someone in Oshkosh with that function. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations to Earl. That's very cool. Yeah, we understand yeah, that there was so. a little uh, ceremonial get together yeah. at a country club. That may have involved adult beverages. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked. We haven't, we haven't received any detailed firsthand reports. Uh, from what I understand, that those have all been uh, with, withheld from public dissemination. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the whole subject of lineup and weight is uh, not only tickling <laughs> us, but uh, there, there's a big thread, one of the larger than average uh, threads in, uh, in the UCAP forums, and there's been just a lot of conversation on the whole subject. Um, and uh, I don't know what's so funny about that so far, but it does. No, get funny. People, people have been lining up to weigh in, man. Yeah. I was just reading. I was just reading one of the comments on on the forums. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah, they're going back and forth, and they're having a good old time about it. But here's a real practical thing, and tell me if this is real or not. Um, listener Denver Pilot uh, has a posting in amongst all the others where he writes. Uh, he's first of all he says I'm getting a kick out of listening to controllers on liveatc.net. This is uh, in the in the days just following um, this uh, taking effect, and he quotes a, uh, an anonymous controller as saying Cessna one two three four position uh, lineup and wait. And uh, he claims that the controllers are kind of, kind of, you know, having a hard time with the transition. Although another poster uh, says that they did it like clockwork when the clock ticked over at that particular, you know, hour of the day, they just instantly went into lineup and wait mode. But anyways, Denver Pilot also writes that a major air carrier friend of mine pointed out a very interesting slash dangerous difference between how it's done in Europe versus the U.S. A U.S. controller will not clear an aircraft to quote lineup and wait while another aircraft is on final. European controllers, on the other hand, will do this. Airliner 123, line up and wait following the arriving 737. And then uh, Denver Pilot writes, uh, anyone else see an accident waiting to happen in that right. phrase? I certainly do. Um, yeah. and, and this is Jack again now speaking. I certainly do, too, if this is true. Um, well, if, if it is true, and that's you know, a, certainly a good question, but it's bad procedure to begin with, irrespective of the terminology, it's it's it, it, the clearance that he gave that con, that taxiing or that departing aircraft um, could easily have been misinterpreted. Nope. Just as just yeah. as Denver pilot explained, um, that's the wrong type of clearance to be giving in a city. Right. Um, like and, and there's so a simple it, way. It was a phraseology that. issue, yeah. But it, there's a simple way to fix the phraseology. Yeah. No, 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 no. The phraseology, the, you can say the same thing as long as you're referring to a specific airplane and waiting for that to be the event uh, of, of taking the runway. That's just a bad clearance. Yeah, I agree. Whether it's position and hold or line up and wait, right. it should not be conditional, all right? Um, you know, it's basically an immediate instruction in my mind, all right? Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, this is just, like Denver Pilot says, an accident waiting to happen if if it's true and if they start doing it in the United States. David, you were going to say something. Well, I, I, I occasionally would get a, uh, uh, after the next arrival, uh, uh, position and hold for departure, and they'd want me to taxi onto the runway right after the next arrival and hold there until the last airplane cleared the taxiway. And usually I would be, you know, up and out of there, and there would be another airplane inside the five-mile coming in behind me. Uh, had it happened at Kansas City, uh, had it happened at uh, uh, Love Field, 
uh, not Love Field. Yeah, Love Field. Love Field in Midway. Um, never seemed a big problem. This phrase, the confusion was over which airplane which airplane right. type was landing. Right. Saying line up and wait following the next arrival. Yeah, that's that's what I'm is, saying. It's unambiguous. You know, it, well, it, it, you can fix the phraseology that way. Uh, and I don't see a problem with that. I, I see. I still see a problem with that. And it, it's a much less risk than the, than the earlier interpretation, but it's still a risk. And that is not giving a more specific time. Right. You're leaving a lot open to the interpretation. The next, of the, the next arrival, yeah. the, the, you know, I've taxied out of a, of a, quote, major airport, unquote, and been cleared for takeoff from the 90-degree um, the taxiway. And so, you know, I looked up the final and said, you know, I think I'll wait for this Duchess to land. And, and that's exactly what was happening. There was an airplane on shore final, and I was cleared on the runway. So, you know, you've got to be careful I, I with this stuff. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. It, I, want, I, I, want the controller, I want the controller looking up the final approach path and saying it's clear before he clears me on the runway. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's the way it always works for me. I mean, I haven't flown out of a tire, tower airport regularly in a long time. But, uh, but it was always, you know, they wouldn't give me – they'd either give me position and hold because there was somebody way out on final – or, or even you know in the pattern someplace, or the airplane just passed me, you know, went over the numbers, you know, where I was sitting on the at the whole short line, and uh, it was there was nothing conditional about it. It wasn't like I had to wait until some other thing happened, you know. It was either, right. it was always go now, all right? right, and and like you say, I would occasionally reject it and say, no, I'm going to wait a little while, you know. And uh, anyways. Um, you know, so I've taken I was, a lot of them on the roll. You know, I've done done it always. You know, line you up know. and wait following the arrival of is not a go now clearance. Yeah, it's right. It's not, it's not the wrong. It's just the wrong kind of clearance. The, the correct response is to keep your feet on the brakes and wait. Wait for the guy well, to yeah, get back. It, that's exactly the correct response here because that's what the clearance said. You're waiting for the next airplane to go by before you line up and wait. Yeah, I think reversing it after the next airplane lands. Line up and wait. I, I wouldn't even do that. I wouldn't. No. Uh. Uh-uh. No. The, the the landing airplane should be on the runway before I'm I'm uh, um, cleared into position. Okay. Yeah, I I kind of agree with Jeb. Either way out or or past <clears throat> me in front of me. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, and that's what sort of position and hold is all about. Is that they you know you position because the air, there's an airplane in front of you still on the runway. Um, well. But there, there, there's two again. There's two other fallacies going on here too. Now, in practice, I mean, they, well, let's put it another way. Um, there's there's a rule, supposed rule, that no two airplanes can be on the same runway at the same time. That's not true. Sure, I agree with it's not true. They have two airplanes on the same runway at the same time. Right. Um, I. I it, the thing, the thing, the problem I have with this with this clearance though, is it's dependent upon the pilot correctly interpreting some future action a, a, before executing the clearance. And while that's great if we're talking, you know, crossing 24 DME southeast uh, at a certain altitude, it's not so good when we're talking about um, two two machines being that close together on the same piece of pavement. Um, it needs to be a little bit more done there. Okay. Irrespective of the terminology. 
Yeah. So, anyways, I, in any, I, I sort of hope that one of you guys knew definitively whether this is true in Europe and whether or not they might be planning to do it in the U.S. Um, one of us ought to take it as a homework assignment to learn a little bit more about how this lineup and weight thing works in this regard. Um, is it potentially a conditional clearance here in the U.S.? Um, maybe one of the listeners can educate us, and uh, maybe one of our non-U.S. listeners can educate us a little bit too. From what the folks who had listened to ATC Net have been saying, they're not hearing those kind of clearances here. Uh, and we're talking about what they were hearing in uh, in Europe, right? Uh, so, I, you know, my concern would be that 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 they're just not doing it here, but that they could, and that I'd like to know a little more. That's we're, my. Comment. Doing which part of this again? The conditional part. The part right. where you de- uh-huh. make it dependent on, you know, after following well, a 737. Again, again, there are certain clearances. I mean, I just gave one. Uh, um, a- after 24 DME south exactly. east of the field, you know, you can descend to such and such an altitude. That That's a little bit more empirical, though. Than picking an airplane out of thin air and say, "Okay, that's the one I'm supposed to follow." Yeah, no, okay, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Uh, I, I guess I'm just talking more specifically about position and hold, or whatever it is we call uh-huh. it. Well, um, p- position and hold, uh, uh, line up and weight, it's all basically the same procedure. Um, nothing really has changed there. What has changed is the terminology, and perhaps not for the better. Um, I, I don't know. I, we can talk about this, you know, for yeah. a couple more episodes. Let's leave it on the table, and we'll uh, maybe learn a little bit more. And one of the listeners will educate us. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to have to live with it, and, and uh, you know, I just hope you know your Vaseline didn't have any sand in it. <laughs> See, now you got to make me think whether I'm going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> don't have to be lost in space. I can fly the Jupiter 2 and get us back home to Earth. Warning, 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 warning. Silence, you belligerent bucket of bolts. Dr. Smith, you must not take the controls until you have received a safety briefing. Oh, all right then, go ahead. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Silence, you cantankerous clump of cogs. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the spacecraft, uh, airplane. Are you that finished? That is all. What did you that say? That is all. Then yes, shut I up that finished. silly speaker. Oh, where is Jack Hodgson when you need him? You may proceed. All right, then. Here we go. Danger, 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 danger. What is a doggy auger anyway? Back now with more of Uncontrolled Airspace. The NorthJersey.com website uh, is one of the websites that are, are reporting on this just incredible uh, thing that's going on about the guy who dropped toilet I, paper. I'm on. surprised. I'm surprised. You know, we didn't see this on Fox News. I, we, maybe we did. Which one of us watches Fox News? Well, there's right? that too. All right. <laughs> um, Westwood, probably New Jersey, borough resident Warren Saunders has been charged Thursday with violating state aviation codes for an airplane toilet paper drop. It's not. Because as everybody knows, it's against New Jersey law to drop toilet paper out of an airplane. Um, 
the, uh, the paper drop stunt that stirred up post 9 11 anxieties about low flying airplanes, authorities said. Saunders 60 was really, anyways, this guy's in big, big trouble for doing something that arguably is against the law, but come on, let's just like not get carried away here. My goodness. State aviation codes? State aviation? Codes? Yeah, I was going to say, you know. Do they specify, you know, Charmin, or do they is, yeah, a, is, a cut, is a cut rate okay? I know. You know what? It's just all falls into the same category of it. We've basically reached a point in America where it's against the law to scare people. Um, and well, it's uh, against the law to know, do what it's, he it's, did. It's, it's, a, it's a. It is. It's, I, yeah, David, go ahead, and I agree with what you're about to say. I think uh, it's a, you know there's there's some far violations involved here. Yes, you know, he, uh, extra puppy Charmin well, may not have hurt that much coming out of it, but there's still this thing. Time time out a second. Okay. Time out a second. Jeb. There's no regulation prohibiting the dropping of objects from an airplane. A. B. The regulation states as long as it is dropped without any endangerment to people. Right. Okay. A, a couple of rolls of toilet paper uh, aren't, aren't hurting anybody, especially, well, I don't know if anyone on the ground knew this was happening, but... Um, the, uh, the there should have been maybe that's the issue here, but uh, and as long as he did it from an appropriate altitude, there's no far there's, violation. There, that maybe that's what I'm thinking of because I've seen this busted before by the FAA because there was an altitude violation bust when they did it. Uh, and how, in how one do they know? case, there was an altitude how, violation in it, and adult beverages involved that the pilots had consumed before going. Yeah, well, I'll show you. I can put six rolls of yeah. toilet paper right here in the town square. Hey, hey y'all, watch this. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty much what happened. Here, and, hold my beer. And the boy went out to the airport and you know picked up a six-pack of something or other and proceeded to demonstrate that, in fact, he wasn't that good at it anyway. Yeah, right. One of the ironies of this is that this particular thing he got busted for doing was apparently a practice run for when he was in fact going to be dropping toilet paper over a football game crowd as a as a planned stunt, you know, like a halftime thing apparently. Well, um, so now was this coordinated with uh, the authority? Or was this coordinated with the, um, the the stadium, for example? Or was this just something he was going to do on a lark? Uh, I'm trying to read through the story here. Uh, it, well, it, say. It, it tickles me that there must have been some mysterious or some mystery about the condition of the toilet paper, whether it was pre-owned. <laughs> <laughs> because they called the hazmat teams in. They wait a minute. If it had been used, I don't think it would have been coming off the roll. What the heck? It's just a bloody good thing that each one of those rolls of toilet paper was not a nuclear weapon. Yeah. No, I mean, all kidding aside, I'm, I'm, I, this is what I believe. This guy is not in trouble for dropping toilet paper for an airplane. All right? He's, being, he's really being charged with scaring people. Um, and, and that's sadly, <laughs> well, you, know, you can laugh, but that's, that's like a crime these days. There are all kinds well, of people, you know, it's like. And you it's said a good thing they're not enforcing that in the campaign ads. Uh, Dave, Dave said something earlier about, you know, uh, um, I don't know, um, discriminating against pilots or whatever. But we can't have any fun anymore in this country, whether it's with airplanes or, or anything else. Every, everybody's everybody like walking around like they got a stick up their butt. And you, what is going on? Yeah, you well, can't have any fun anymore. And, and, and if you have fun, you're condemned for it. Yep. Shame on you. Shame yeah. on you. You should be in pain like I am. 
David, um, so apparently you're the one who's read NASA Callback number 369 and uh, found some cool stuff in there. I'm, I confess I haven't had a chance to look at it. Um, can you take a look and refresh your memory? It's a PDF file, David. You sent me a PDF file. <laughs> yeah, you should use, no, always I send the I HTML. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, link to the PDF. What stories in here were, were particularly interesting to you, David? And I'll give, well, you, I'll give you a minute to refresh your memory. Well, well I, 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 I scanned it. I scanned it right before the show. Um, one of the things that hops out here is uh, we need to do a better job, whether it's electronic or, or paper or even text, of describing uh, and organizing the information in standard departures. Uh-huh. A lot of people are, 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 are this particular callback uh, has two or three episodes where uh, professional flight crews uh, missed the fine print on a departure and uh, were way too fast. Uh, they're supposed to be at a slower speed and they're just kind of cruising you know, down the road at, at uh, normal thrust. Did they just and not see it or did they read they it wrong? Just, they just missed it completely. Um, read it, it, was in the, it was in the SID, it was in the, the departure procedure, the DP, but um, uh, they missed it. Yeah. Part of the problem. Part of the problem is the way it's charted. Even if you've got an exact copy of the chart, and the other problem is some of the EFBs don't make it easy to to bring up that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, some of them are sized in proportion where it's showing the entire plate on 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 the screen uninterrupted makes it a size that's not quite as optimal for the human eye. Another another bit of another tidbit in here, talking about uh, uh, using electronic charting, um, and the electronic charting data being incorrect relative to the dimensions of uh, a tersa, not a class G, Charlie, but a tersa, and um, it wasn't in the. He had to look at a sectional. The sectional had it correct, uh, but the electronic databases apparently he had more than one of them. Um, showed it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Man. And that's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you wonder how it became incorrect information on the EFB uh, if, if it was correct on the original paper product because that's what so many of them are using. Well, that, that's true. Um, and then the FAA has gotten really good at digitizing their stuff lately. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. Could, he might have had an out-of-date database. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Terses don't change, you know, their dimensions that yeah. often. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, you so. know, it's kind of like the, uh, the complaint about the amount of time uh, guys are taking to finish uh, prepping their navigation systems mm-hmm. for trips now that they're doing this all on these GPS systems with the, with, you know, cockpit like it will get better with time yeah but so much well, of this stuff is not instinctive at first and you know the, the joke is you can tell the guys that have got the new glass cockpits because after they start the engine you don't see them look above the panel uh <laughs> air shield for about 15 minutes i know i know yeah i understand what some of these guys are going through i blew out a hidden river um for oshkosh in 09 uh, with nothing but electronic charts. Yeah. And I didn't get 10 miles. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I, did not get, I did not get 10 miles before I needed a paper chart. And um, 
Um, it was it was embarrassing. I finally told the guy, I said, hey, my electronic, I got a problem with my electronic charting. Can you just give me the fixes? And we'll go there. And he did. Uh, gave me the intersections and boom, 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 went on my way. Uh-huh. And that yeah. was really the only that was really the only time it was an issue. Uh, the whole flight. Uh, called it. But I got bu- I was busted. You know, I'm not literally, but yeah, no, okay. Hey, Jeb, for I listeners, like, oh, who- I have, I have our GPS as they program a little differently from the other ones. Uh, going to an EFB is not exactly like learning to open a book or flip a chart book. Yeah. Well, I had a I had a deal with Jefferson. I went to to uh, update my the cards for my 530 and uh, I had sent them a check like three weeks earlier um, and they showed my uh, I couldn't get an update I, they sh- I called them uh, they showed my uh, subscription as having been expired but the check having been received and cleared and I'm like come on guys and they had me up and running in 15 minutes or so yeah you're welcome to the Hal Shevers Club right yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That was the episode you missed. Well, that was one of the dailies we did at Sun and Fun, where Hal Shevers tells the story about how they uh, they lost his payment and suddenly his, his uh, weather radar wasn't working or something like that. Oh, his his, <laughs> his data his data link disappeared while he was en route. Yeah, oh, and while he oh. was getting close to weather, he was using the data link to navigate through. Oh, that's just leverly. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Anyways. I do hate I do hate when that happens. Yeah, really. Jeb, for listeners who are not familiar, tell us what callback is. Callback is the official um, monthly publication of NASA's Aviation Safety Reporting System, the ASRS. Um, it's a it's a very good publication. Uh, it's available at asrs.arc.nasa.gov, and uh, it, you know, it's a good good. Discussion always a good discussion of the little stuff that can mean a whole lot. Yeah, now a lot of these come out of those little forms that people will take occasionally that's, fill out. That's the other punch. All of them come yeah, out of those. All of these come from ASRS reports submitted um, by pilots. And the, the great thing about the ASRS reports are, if you find yourself in a situation where you're not sure you should have done what you've done. Are you sure you're maybe where you shouldn't be? File an ASRS report and, and you know can kind of confess what happened. And uh, if the FAA does come after you, that's kind of a get out of jail free card. Yeah, uh, they are by law required to to soften any any uh, penalties or anything, uh, or even levy any penalties if you if you do something wrong. Right. So it, yeah. it's 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 not the end all and be all, but it is a pretty good program. It's certainly worth following, if not participating. Yeah, Jeb, you uh, you sort of broke up just a little bit. Say the URL just one more time. Okay, I'm sorry. Asrs.arc.nasa.gov. Very good. Very good. Okay. And if you, for, if you miss that, just Google callback and uh-huh. NASA. Uh huh. Yeah. It's good stuff, and you can get it. I don't even know if they do a paper one anymore, but you get it electronically now as a PDF they file. Do they uh, no longer yeah. do a paper one. Yeah, but it's yeah, just it used to be the, the blue legal size paper came right. out once a month. Just right. highly anticipated all the time. Yeah. So what's next here, um, Jeb? So we know you're a freelancer again, and apparently uh-huh. you're now writing uh, reports for the Office of the Inspector General of the Transportation Department. <laughs> uh, 
This is a, a story from uh, avweb.com. Uh, the, uh, the FAA's plan to implement ADSB in the national airspace system. Oh man, it's early, it's I can't talk tonight. In the national airspace system, faces quote significant risks and challenges, according to a report released last week by the Office of the Inspector General for the Transportation Department. Uh, um, the uh, number one issue is the reluctance of those who use the airspace to purchase and install new avion avionics for their aircrafts. Quote, users have raised justifiable concerns about evolving requirements and uncertain equipage costs and benefits, the report says. There's more here. But uh, um, th this is just like, you know, they've been, they've been listening is, to you in the podcast over the last year or so. I, I, I did not write that. Yeah. But this is very much what you your argument has been for about a year now, and uh, yeah, it's part of it certainly. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I haven't Dave, read the I haven't read the the whole you know uh, IG report or uh, read the whole story here for that matter. But um, yeah, what are the benefits, and, and why do I have to do this? Because I'm getting most of this basic service right now yeah. from, from other sources. Yeah. Uh, David, what do you yeah. want to add to this? The rule that they published on ADSB out just was left huge gaps in what needed to be done and, and, right. and what needed to be talked about and left a whole lot of stuff the, in conflict. You know, that it's not supposed to work out this way. Well, this is the way it's going to have to work out. Uh, you guys invest. We'll get the benefits. You'll right. get the secondary right. benefits because someday you'll actually get in a few minutes quicker. It's all yeah. about saving. It's, it's it's all about saving the government money. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, and putting, the, trying uh, to put the automation, uh, um, trying to decentralize the automation and network in and of itself, not a, not a bad goal. But they're just a typical FIA. They're going about it wrong. Well, and it, it needs to be paired with ADSBN to provide benefits uh -huh. working in both directions for both sets of parties, and then they do stupid stuff like this rule that ADSB installations have to be approved by STC and not field approval eligible right. and driving up the complexity, cost, investment time, all of that. It, it, people are reluctant to invest. I was excited about the whole thing, but they kept it. If they were a centipede, they would have already shot themselves in all their feet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyways, it's an interesting report, and it's uh, um, you know, is ADSB kind of starting to falter here? I mean, I you know, it, well, this is the catalyst for them to get their heads out of a okay. cavity where yeah. they can't see the horizon. You know, DOTIG reports are routinely ignored at FAA. I wouldn't, if I was at FAA, I wouldn't get too stressed out about this unless you know. I was reporting to the guy that made the decision. Then I might get a concern. But um, this is just business as usual. Follow the money, and that will tell you how this is all going to shake out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a YouTube video that's not really – it's not the video so much that's important. It's the story. Um, you got to love this guy. I, I just hope he doesn't like kill himself. All right. Um, this is this um, – is it Africa? Um, some sort of – some third world country – where a guy is building basically a, a 150 from spare parts. Um, did you guys look at this video? <laughs> this is like, I mean, I, I, I just, I love this guy's passion for aviation, and he's built kind of an interesting, it certainly is shaped like a decent airplane, um, but 
you got to wonder whether or not this thing is going to fly. I don't know. It looks like a 150. It looks very much like a 150. Breezy. It's going to be breezy in the cockpit. Yeah, well, it's got no glass yeah. in it yet. Come on. It'll have, he'll put the plexi in. It's got no windshield I'm, I'm, right now. I'm not convinced if that's what he's going to use for a rudder. I don't think he's going to get too far. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's 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 definitely a uh, it's it's sort of a MacGyver kind of airplane. It's definitely, <laughs> you know, it's just got a lot of mismatched parts. I mean, color wise and sort of maybe this, he only needs it to fly short distance. Think, think flight of the Phoenix. Yeah, right. See, yeah. so uh, I mean, I, I I applaud this guy's passion and enthusiasm for aviation, and Lord knows we all know plenty of home builders. Um, so it's not you know an an, an no, no, inconceivable like thing, um, and we know people who built airplanes from scratch. You know, not simply from plans, but like out of their head, um, and and maybe this guy will pull it off. But I I just hope he doesn't hurt himself. Um, I I just hope he does something about the nose wheel wobble. Yeah, it's got. It's not done. That's for sure. Um, but I, I think it's great. And he incorporates some proven ideas into it, like the engines run on the prop through a reduction drive mm-hmm. to slow down the propeller speed. Uh, the uh, flaperons that he's using, uh, you know, they're they're an effective uh, and fairly lightweight solution to the need for both flaps and ailerons. Uh, and can really help crank it slow, slow speed if you need it. Uh, you know, it's it's. This is not one I'm jumping in and say I'd fly it, but I'd sure love to see it fly. <laughs> we might have found something that they won't. Whoa! Fly. I know. It, it reminds huh? me a little bit of a zenith. Uh, of a zenith. Oh yeah, of a zenith. Okay. Yeah, seven hundred one stall. Yeah. yeah, but those are those are like you know those look like one hundred and fifty wings. But beyond that, I mean, they need some work. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even he says he's not ready to fly it yet. I mean, I think the 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 occasion. I don't think the, he's ready. I hadn't seen the video. It doesn't sound like he's even ready to taxi it. Oh no, I think he's ready to taxi it. Um, I, I, the occasion of this video seems to be that it was time for him to roll it out of his garage or whatever passes for you know his shop. Um, yeah, and take it, it to a place. It shows him taking it out, fuselage, wings separately, right. and, putting, and putting the wings yep. on or something like that. So, uh, but I think if you listen to the video in in his inter- the interview of him, he, I think he says something along the lines of, you know, it's not ready to fly yet. I still got a lot of things to do to it, you know. But uh, um, well, and he's yeah. waiting on the delivery from Amazon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> what's it's, he waiting? It's the, it's the assembly manual. Yeah, the, right. the, book, the, the book How to Fly. No, 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 no. I, well, Stick and I rudder. Yeah. Um, no, no. I, I, I mean, I hope he's careful. I hope he doesn't get hurt. But kudos hey. to this guy. Good for him. I. Uh, maybe, maybe we found. You know, it's too soon to tell. Is there a name associated with this guy? Uh, his name or the name of the airplane? I, I don't name, know. Name of the builder. I don't know. And again, I'm scared. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the kid who escaped from the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, could be. You well, never know. You never know. So here's another story from uh, AvWeb. Uh, Electric 172 may fly early next year. An electric-powered Cessna 172 proof-of-concept aircraft will be ready to fly by April of next year. April. Hmm. I wonder what happens in April. Um, a, a company called Buy Energy and Cessna said this week at MBAA's uh, annual convention, uh, they said they said that it was going to be in April. Um, so MBAA, D- David, you were down there. Um, did uh, the, did you hear anything about this uh, electric 172? Actually, at MBAA, uh, 
they're expanding it to 16 passengers, going to make it a point nine two. No, 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 nothing about this one. Uh, nothing, nothing about this. this one. But looking at the photograph that's on the AvWeb complete issue here, uh, I got to check this. But for all the world, the guy in the center looks like Charlie Johnson, who w- was uh, a high muckety muck at Cessna for years when Russ Meyer ran the place. And has since moved on to Colorado and has been involved in a couple of other developments like the Javelin, uh, which, you know, sad. It was your two-place, every businessman's dream F-15 uh, yeah, scale model and, uh, and some other stuff. So it's a perfect airplane to pitch that project at. Yeah. God knows there's a lot of them. Yeah. Apparently, this is being uh, headed up by a guy named George By B Y E, who is the CEO of uh, the. How do you say the word? Eponymous. Eponymous. You know the word I'm talking about. Um, By Energy it means it's named after himself. Um, said the project. Yeah, and is I making, think that's him on the right in that. Yeah, it said he said the project is making steady progress. "Quote: This is an ambitious effort, but we are continuing to uncover additional efficiencies with electric powered." Flight, um, so it's an interesting idea. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I yeah, was more pretty, power too. A couple, of, okay, that was a so, pun, and we're gonna let it go. Um, a couple of years ago, I was pretty dubious about the idea of electric airplanes, but uh, every year you see a little bit more, and people are making a little bit more progress and and figuring out how to overcome the hurdles, and you know, this just could happen over the next few years, and uh, so we'll see. But uh, BYE Energy by energy. well, and if you look at the website, it says. Clean energy solutions for general aviation, electric, hybrids, and biofuels. So this is not your run-of-the-mill, oh, we thought we'd always wanted to dabble in aviation. This is uh, bioenergy's focus. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, they, they're based at Centennial, uh, and they've been elevating their profile, uh, looking at their press release list uh, Going back all the way to June of this year, yeah. So, so they have about six months of uh, of history, and uh, there's uh, been big movement in solar cells, big movement in batteries. Eat a uh, big burrito, and there's more big movement to come. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, he, he right. did not. He did not go there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Here's the next story that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this, but I just find the whole thing biz- – well, last year, last, last week's episode was bizarre. This is bizarre. Um, so this is a story. This actually this has happened already. This has already come and gone. But, uh, but the, uh, I'm not sure how to tell this story because uh, I don't want to tell it in the order that the article does. Basically, this guy – uh, the president is bopping all around the country right now because it's campaign time and he's like making all these appearances and so there are TFRs popping up everywhere. And one particular TFR up in the northwest occasioned a particular individual to have circled the date on his calendar, all right, uh, October 21st. And uh, the guy apparently called it his own personal no-fly day for a guy named... Uh, Oh, his name is here someplace. Lee Daly. Lee Daly. And the reason that Lee Daly was, it was so important that Lee Daly not fly uh, uh, and get messed up with the TFR is that he's the guy who messed up, uh, flew into the TFR a while ago. Uh, and uh, and uh, the, the whole part of this story that I find interesting, all right, is that in addition to him being careful 
not to bust the TFR again, is that he apparently got a phone call from, I don't know, the Secret Service or, or, or somebody, all right, saying, okay, don't forget, right, the president's coming this time, don't mess up. And I just find it interesting that he got a little personal reminder from the, uh, from the. Uh, I don't know. What's your reaction to this? Any? Am I making too big a deal out of this? Is this just? It, it depends. Did, did this come, you know, in a formal fashion, or or did they just break in in the middle of a phone call and tell him that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. No, where, I, I, no, I don't think they broke in. And is the point here? I was trying to find this. This story is just an odd story, but. Uh, um, <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's good on one hand that they're being proactive and in reaching out to operators. Uh, uh, it's a little, I don't know, it's a little big brotherish. If if they were just doing that, uh, uh, if they've already busted this guy or, or you know, I, I don't know what the background is here. Um, but, um, yeah, apparently he was made infamous for inadvertently flying his Cessna 180 into restricted airspace. Right. Uh, we, here's here, here's my favorite phrase in this in this sentence though, resulting in the ensuing sonic boom. Yeah, that's right. That's and, you know, this guy. Another oh, mighty yeah. another another mighty Cessna 180 breaks the sound barrier. Yeah. Holy <laughs> well, that, shit! That, they've been working on that model. They're about to expand it to 16 <laughs> passengers and make it a point nine. Oh, yeah, okay, Cessna, right, you, okay. Dude, you couldn't get a Cessna 180 through the sound barrier if you tied 30 anvils to it and put JTO bottles on it. <laughs> Okay, right. it's got a terminal velocity of about two hundred fifty knots. That's it. After that, it just comes apart. And 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 my one comment here is, we're coming up on uh, well, we're past nine years of this being status quo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nine years, guys. Nine years. You should bloody well be used to the idea by now. <clears throat> yeah, but we still didn't like it. The first year, we don't like it the ninth year, but that that's the state and then the alphabet groups that fight on our behalf feel like that they fought this as far as they're going to for a while. The one day, one day, maybe there'll be enough respect for physics to bring this back into perspective. But until that day happens, Please, God help us. Let emotion run wild. It does such wonderful things for the economy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, we're running out of our allotted time here. There's two stories here that I, I want to touch on be- on the list before we finish up here. Um, the first one is uh, one that our listeners just will not will not forgive us if we let pass. Um, and and I want to start off by saying we we, we tell we talk about the story with with infinite respect because because a bunch of people died and and yeah. and normally you know so. Having said that, let me just give you the background here. For weeks now, uh, we've been amusing ourselves talking about alligators and crocodiles um, and airplanes and and so forth. Um, and and I've been kind of going on about you know my northeasterners you know kind of uh, weirdness about crocodiles and so forth. Um, and then a bunch of listeners um, have call, have called our attention to the fact that there now is a documented example of a crocodile crashing an airplane. Um, and the sad part, the tragic part, is that 19 people died in this particular incident um, where uh, it turns out somebody brought a small crocodile onto a plane in their carry-on luggage. And uh, according to the one human survivor of this crash, um, the crocodile got out on the plane in flight and panicked the passengers. And they all, according to the witness, ran to the front of the airplane. I'm sorry, it's kind of a comical um, yeah. um, picture. Um, 
And, uh, and I, I, I only I only have one question about all. This. Yeah. Okay. Who's the asshole that brought the crocodile? I know. <laughs> I know. You know. And uh, you know, he was if, if he was a survivor. Yeah, he well, would well, be crocodile feces right about. Yeah. yeah. In all, in all, all respect to, to to again, Jack, as you've emphasized, all respect to those uh, uh, who, who died here, but. What kind of mar- of a maroon brings a crocodile on an airplane in a sports bag? Yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it could be something sane like bringing a couple of lemurs in your shorts. Now everybody understands that, but <laughs> okay. crocodile in, your, in, in 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 a sports bag. Aren't we out of our allotted time yet? Yeah, I know, David. <laughs> lemurs in your shorts—that's the title right there, right that, there. <laughs> that this has happened. Uh, yeah, I think there's a story here. Do we yeah, want to hear it on the yeah. podcast or do we want to hear it later on? That's what I want to know. Well, I, I was on an airplane once years ago getting ready to go to uh, Europe from through New York City. And this guy brings on this really obscenely sized carry-on bag. And it's like this tiny, you know, uh, pre-American uh, Indian Indian history coffin with, with, with a body in it. Yeah, and he wants to bring it in on his big bag and stick it in the overhead, and <laughs> kind of like, uh, no, uh, it's a coffin with a body in it. Well, it's an artifact. Okay, it it's an arty coffin with a body in it, but it ain't going in the overhead. Uh, okay, I'm not sure where lemurs comes into that story, but well people have tried and get on airplanes with monkeys and lemurs okay all right now i get snakes it snakes and a whole bunch of other stuff hidden in their clothes as a way of smuggling them in and that's i think what was happening with this crocodile is somebody was trying to take something somewhere where normal channels wouldn't allow them to take what they were trying to take yeah. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, you don't want Crocs on a plane. Yeah, it's like <laughs> unless it's like, you're wearing them on your feet. Who brought the or, freaking uh, lemurs or, on the freaking or, airplane? That's what I want to know. Or or your Samuel L. Jackson. Well, you now know. wait a minute. Did anybody double check and make sure the guy was really talking about an animal and not a pair of shoes? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that everybody stampeded. They, they slaughtered. They they killed. The, the crocodile was injured. Yes, the okay. crocodile. That's right. It, it Two crashed. But okay. they killed it, and they killed it at the site. Yeah. So it's not, there's no there's no uh, issues about whether there was a crocodile. It wasn't shoes. No, it was a it real was, crocodile. Yeah. It was it was, was pre shoe. Because I have seen Crocs on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was pre shoe. Yeah. Pre, okay. Pre shoes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Finally, David, I really do want to hear about your bucket list adventure. What do you have in mind here? Little air tour outfit called Air Journeys. They are promoting uh, their uh, their next big epic tour. These are fly yourself tours. Okay, uh-huh. you supply an airplane, you supply fuel, a license, and pay to go on the journey, and they take care of the arrangements. This is from the United States down to South America and around the perimeter of South America, and out to the Galapagos and back to. To South America and then back to the United States again. It's about thirty-six days, and it's like uh, Annie and I have talked many a time about the idea of flying the perimeter of South America, down around Brazil to through Argentina, through Tierra del Fuego, up through Chile, back up again through uh, uh, 
Central America up to uh, the the uh, uh, Cancun. What's that peninsula? The Yucatan, Yucatan. and then back to the United States from there. Huh. It's all eminently doable. You can do it, and none of the legs are more than about 600 miles, and most of them are under four. Yeah, that'd be cool. Shout-outs. You guys got anything? I don't. <laughs> You're off the hook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a, I got a quick and dirty one here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let me make sure I'm finding the right card to go with this because I think it fell on the floor. Uh, it did fall on the floor. While you're looking for it on the floor, it just occurred to me I do have a shout-out. Real quickly here, this is like this is like only vaguely aviation-related, okay? So uh, I'm here in, in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, this afternoon, and doing my little uh, event management thing. And I had this very mundane problem. Uh, we, we It's a long story short. We, we ship things around on these wooden shipping pallets, and, we, and, and you'd be surprised how often they disappear. And so suddenly the four shipping pallets that we needed tomorrow night to get our stuff shipped, shipped um, are gone and we're, trip, we're we're casting around trying to find shipping pallets and that you, again you I, got, I got some pallets you need some pallets yeah. I need some I got some pallets I, need them in I got some crates too I need them in Hoffman Estates um, so oh, just on a whim I post on to Twitter uh, and my Twitter these days is mostly uh, various uh, listeners and aviation friends and, and my shout out goes out to all of the listeners on Twitter who uh, jumped in this afternoon to try and help me find uh, wooden shipping pallets here in Hoffman Estates it was very gratifying and uh, they had some great ideas, and uh, all told, uh, sort of con- collectively, we did manage to find the uh, shipping pallets that I need. So, uh, so that's my shout out to my Twitter friends uh, uh, in this area who helped me solve my little uh, event management problem. David, did you find the card? I did. I did. It What's was up? right on top of the junk that fell off the table. To the gang, ground crew, counter crew at Atlanta Executive Jet Center. At Cobb County Airport, McCollum Field, long way out of downtown Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the fuel price, the hospitality, the car service, the uh, uh, restaurant adjoining the FBO, the quality of your crew, uh, you know, the, 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 the coffee, cookies, and all that stuff that you laid out when NBAA was in town last week, uh, just extraordinary very very uh, nice service, much appreciated. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll fly back into there, uh, probably rather than uh, Fulton County or PDK the next time. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean the you know the length of the ride in wasn't as much different as I expected it to be. Fulton County is just so easy though. Fulton County is awfully easy. Fulton County awfully easy, but there was about a gallon, a buck and a half a gallon difference in fuel for the extra fifty. Oh, I, I got a real good answer to that. Yeah. What's that? I don't need anything. <laughs> okay. Jeff, any shout-outs? <laughs> yeah, one real quick, and, and I've talked about this before. Um, Mary Silich, uh, for whom I used to work at ProPilot Magazine, and. Uh, um, become a very close friend, both she and her, and her husband. But Mary, uh, later this week, is going to be inducted into the Arkansas Aviation Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned this, I don't know, several episodes ago, uh, but the, uh, the induction is this week. Uh, I'm going to try to be there for it because it's, it's, cool. it, it's a big thing for her, and uh, she's been a big, big thing for me. I fl- the airplane I fly uh, was formerly owned by them. Yeah, well, that's very um, nice, so, yeah. I, I do so. have one more quick, kind of half yeah. somber, well, very somber, 
uh, Go ahead, to, to an old friend, Karen Tripp, on the loss of your husband, Edward G. Oh, uh, Ed, Ed and I didn't get to be friends until we'd finally realized that neither one of us had the kind of ego that was going to back down anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> and after that, we got along really well. And when this little pilot club started inviting me to their meetings, Ed was one of the first people to congratulate me and kind of explain the significance of what I was getting myself into. Uh-huh. One of the regrets of of, of our time here in Wichita is that when you and Ed were here in Wichita for a little over a year, Ed and I tried for almost a year on a, almost a weekly basis to get together. But between my work and him being house husband, his freelance projects, running the kids to practices, picking them up from stuff, we never made it happen. But we stayed on the road, friends, for as long as he stayed on the road. His passing was... Uh, Extremely sad news. Our condolences. I know a lot of the aviation community sent stuff out to you from NBAA. Uh, your family's in our thoughts, and Ed will be missed. Yeah. Ed, Ed, for those that don't know, for years was the uh, editor-in-chief of AOPA Pilot Magazine, yeah. back before Tom Haynes. Well, it's definitely time to stick a fork in this one. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, actually. Um uh, Thank you to uh, Jeb Burnside. Uh, it's always great talking with you. Jeb is an aviation uh, freelance aviation journalist and currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, apparently also freelancing for the uh, Aviation Inspector General's <laughs> office. Uh, other than that, where can people find you on the inter- Internet, Jeb? <laughs> um, d- DOT.gov, no. <laughs> no, no, um, no. I made that all up, all right? I, I know. I, I know it, it's not. fiction. It is fiction. Okay. We are having fun. It yes. is satire. Yes, okay. <laughs> but where can they really find you on the Internet? Well, um, um, local police blotter, uh, FBI 10 Most Wanted, uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Any post office wall anywhere. Any post office wall. Uh, JEBurnside.com. Occasionally AveWeb.com. Occasionally AEA.net. And Dave Higdon uh, is a uh, is the senior editor for Marvel Comics. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> no, 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 no. He's an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the internet? I'm so afraid to hear the answer to this. <laughs> well, you can find me on America's Least Wanted Iron Chefs. Uh, as well as DaveHigdon.biz, AEA.net, uh, AvBuyer.com, uh, or, you know, roll the dice, do a Google search, and uh, be adventurous. Okay. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Uh, thank you, as always, to all the people who help us with this. Jeff Ward for creating our great show notes. Mike Morgan and Royce Earl and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage in the box in the right-hand column labeled 
tip jar. It doesn't need to be very much, just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings, web page of fame, and more. All of that is, as un- is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, what were you really going to say? You know what Sputnik used to say when it went around? It would go, wiki, 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 wiki. Live long through flying. Go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. You can get to be as old as Jack. That's enough talking. Let's go flying. Flying? What's that again? Flying? Oh, oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. AMFFM. So, anyways. um, How's Chicago? I wouldn't know. I'm hard. First of all, I'm not really in Chicago. And second of all, they don't give me any time. You know, it's. I'm I'm about thirty miles outside of Chicago proper. I'm out to which, the west, which town? Uh, in a place called Hoffman Estates, of all things. Apparently, I've that's, heard of it, but I've never been there. Yeah, apparently this is actually the name of a town, which I didn't realize at first. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it all nearly blew down today. They had a monster <laughs> windstorm here. I mean, <laughs> I heard about that. Uh, oh, um, it's definitely tornado country, geograph. You know, you know, the terrain wise. I mean, it's just flat out here, and. Uh, um, and first thing this morning, when we headed out, where the sometimes we do these and we actually do our show in this hotel, um, but in this particular case, we do the show about a half mile down the road. So this morning around 6.45, we were riding a shuttle over to the, the conference center, and man, it wind was blowing and the rain was falling. And This is a big, tall, like 15-passenger van. Yeah, no. Fortunately, it was just a little, little regular passenger van, but, uh, you know, it was just... It, it, it was windy blowing. I thought it was going to be the end of the world this morning. You almost won an outrigger on those big ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, um, and people were coming into our event talking about tornado warnings on the radio, and uh, I mean, it was yeah, uh, oh yeah, all up and all up and down that line, all the way down into almost Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Just, just another great day for flying. Yeah, real well. And apparently, even O'Hare shut down for a big period of time. You yeah. know? Well, that's what uh-huh. first got my attention this morning. Clock radio clicked on. And the NPR lady is going, and in Chicago, uh, O'Hare Airport has been closed, at least temporarily, due to high winds and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of going, Yeah, well, and the shuttle guy coming back this afternoon, and I don't know how much you, you know, how accurate this was, but what he believed was that winds aloft were like 250 miles an hour, and as a result, they, you know, had... Oh, it was FUBAR and all across the country take a look at flight aware just do the general picture yeah uh, uh it was not a normal day yeah so anyways so but it was it was also crazy on the ground here i mean for a little while and then and then round about eight or nine o'clock um the line passed through and it just became a very windy day all day long and it's supposed to be the same they're, and they're saying something about big thunderstorms tonight and more wind and wind all during the day tomorrow or something like that so uh um, th- these two days are apparently going to be pretty crazy. And uh, when they started talking about Superior in Michigan having twenty foot swells, uh-huh. uh huh. You know, I'm kind of going, wow, visions of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And God help me uh-huh. if anybody flew through that stuff. Yeah, but it's, I actually heard somebody compare it to that. They were saying that this is this is that scale of a storm that the same that the Edmund Fitzgerald storm that uh, um, 
Yeah, good. winds out there on the lake, I think the day the Edmunds Fitzgerald went down, they clocked them up into the 70-mile-an-hour range. Yeah, well, the newspapers were, the web, web news was saying um, gusts of 80 miles an hour in the area today. Um, and uh, there are reports of a tornado that touched down down to the to the sort of south of where I am. And, you know, uh, and where's a spot landing contest when you need one? Yeah, I know. Well, we're going we're gonna to have one of those here at Hidden River in a couple of weeks. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna scope it out. I don't know that I'll participate. I kind of want to see the quality of the people involved here before I commit to anything. Uh huh. Uh huh. That and you're gonna have a toilet paper but, uh, contest, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. If we're gonna do the toilet paper, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we might throw, you know, turtles or alligators or. Oh, I don't or, say uh, that. You can't say that on the podcast. We'll get mail. A flower bomb drops. Oh, that's true. Like, that's true. I can't. I can't throw animals out of the airplane. I'm no, sorry. Oh no. <laughs> that, that would be wrong. I'm sorry. No, but you could turn them loose in the back and see where everybody goes. Yeah, I know. Oh no. All right. All right. Time out here. All right. There's a list. There's a list. <laughs> Take a look at the list. Oh, we're not. We're not recording yet. Come on. We are. We'll use it somehow. But let's. Let's see. If we can. Um, <laughs>